Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my first place daughter, which I'll explain in a minute, and co-host, Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching where real life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed. Teaching you to become your own best coach. So Lauren, do you know why you're the number one? Uh, because I'm your number one daughter, first mm -hmm. place daughter, nope. only daughter. Nope, any more guesses? I used to come in first place in some running races. No, it's because you won the self-coaching best coach of the week <laughs> award. You came in first. A worldwide vote was taken. Worldwide. We had over 42,000 uh, kind of, what do they call them, entries? Or 40, yes. Yeah, <laughs> responses. 42,000 responses from all over the globe. And you mustered 86% number one. This sounds very suspect. No, no, no. Congratulations. Who was in the competition? Well, it was me. You? Yeah, of course. And I'm, hmm. just, I'm, I'm a little distraught, but uh, I, I'm going to be very competitive today because, you know, this, <laughs> this coming week, you know what they say, you know, stumbling isn't falling and seven times down, eight times up. I'm, I'm about to just trounce you this week. Wow. All right. Well, you've got my vote any day. Is that is that parental abuse trouncing? Yeah, it kind of sounds like it. Yeah, let's change that. I'm I'm going to surpass you this week, my dear. I mean, okay. Okay. And you came up with the title for today, and that's go ahead. What's the title? Oh, I don't know the actual title, no, but no, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the the content? The no. content what we're talking about <laughs> yeah emotional triggers there you go you, you know you were already coming in second so that, that, this, this clearly week. your emotional trigger is uh not being in first place in made-up competitions oh that's a good one you're right mm -hmm. yeah. not sure how often that comes up in real life but well, something uh, to be aware of so mm. we're going to be talking about emotional triggers and before we even explain it, let me just say that if, when, when I was a child, let's just say, uh, I want to use this as my example, because I went to parochial school. It was very, very strict. We had to keep our back against the chairs and, and both hands on the desk, both feet flat on the floor. And it, it was mandatory. So it, for me, being a rather ADD kind of personality, you could imagine that elementary school for me was, was rather torturous. Mm -hmm. So... So we had a big clock on the wall, those old industrial clocks. And every time the minute hand would go, it would first start with a and then as it clicked over to the next minute. So come around two o'clock in the afternoon, my hands on the desk, my feet on the floor, I'm starting to seethe and get anxious. And two more minutes, one more minute. And the bell would ring and that was it. We could get out. So, so really, you know, you think about something like that. It doesn't sound very traumatic, 
but it was associated with really intense emotion for me. Mm. And the reason I bring that up is because I, I recall sitting in a waiting room. I won't say what kind of doctor I was visiting, but it was quiet and there was a clock and it was going. Hmm. And do you know what it made me want to do? But it's... before you answer, let me let me tell you with a song first, okay? Okay. You know you make me wanna That's what it made me want to do. I <laughs> wanted to shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Yeah. Now, and did you? No, no, but no. I want I wanted to. So so these this is an example of a trigger, right? The, the tick tick was a trigger. And when I heard it again sitting in that quiet waiting room, it brought about a rush of emotionality. And that's what triggers do, whether it's a word, a person, an event, or an experience, it touches off an immediate emotional reaction. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. There's usually some sort of stimulus, and then normally there's a thought that goes along with the stimulus and then an action. But I think probably with triggers, it's like the thought comes so quickly that we almost miss it because the trigger triggers that emotion before you can even catch the thought so you go from the stimulus to the reaction uh, mi missing that like space in between so I think that's where triggers whether it's positive or negative are different than like everyday encounters you know I, I'm going to apologize ahead of time because throughout this podcast I'm afraid you're going to be hearing Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's annoying to me, but it's certainly not triggering. Let me tell you my trigger, because we are in competition this week, and I refuse to come in second again. Well, your trigger is going to be better than my trigger. Well, it's a real, it's a good trigger. I mean, it's it's been a trigger that I've lived with all my life. Actually, that's another trigger of mine, is a lot of times when somebody, when there's like a hint of competition, I always give up. Like, I always want the other person to be able to win. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, nice. that happens like instinctually. So back off today and give me a break. Yeah, so you win. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not sure how old I was. I was riding a tricycle. Now, I, certainly I wasn't 18 or 19. So maybe, how old are kids when they ride tricycles? Three, four? Yeah. Okay. Right. So let's say I was three, four years old. And we lived on a very pleasant block in Fort Lee. The other side of the George Washington Bridge, not that that matters, but it matters that we were allowed to just go wherever we want as children. We were able to go up the block and around the corner onto Main Street, all sidewalks. And, you know, these were days before, uh, you know, parents became somewhat concerned about bad things happening. So one day I'm on my tricycle and I'm motoring up the block on Hudson Street. I make a left on Main Street. And I, there was a, a vegetable market without, outside they had like the boxes and the crates with all the fruits and the vegetables. And in the gutter, in the curb, in the gutter on the street, I saw a half of a discarded lemon. Did I ever tell you this story? No. Okay. So, so I pick up the lemon and and I say to myself, this is going to be a wonderful gift for my mother. 
So I get back on my tricycle, motoring home back. I can't wait to give it to her, this wonderful gift that I found. So I went to my mother. I said, Mom, I got this lemon for you. She said, where'd you get it? I said, up by the vegetable store. So she, she really didn't say much, but she kind of took me by the ear and walked me up to the store. And she said, go in and apologize for stealing that lemon. And of course, I tried to protest. No, I didn't. She said, you go in there and you apologize. So I went in and apologized. But I was so traumatized by that in a, in a childlike way to this day. Now, that, that remains a trigger. And I will label that trigger. If, if ever someone falsely accuses me or misinterprets my intentions, it sets all those old alarms off. So that's kind of my story of a trigger. It's kind of an adequate story for defining a trigger, right? Yeah, that's a great, I mean, that's an awful story, but it's a great example. Yeah, yeah and I, a lot of times I think you're right, like triggers are defined when we're young. So you have such like a vivid memory of that experience. And I think that sometimes we don't necessarily know exactly where our triggers came from. But when we take the time to sort of unravel what it is that creates those strong emotions in us we might be able to to start understanding more deeply like why we respond the way that we do Mm -hmm. so in your situation it it makes it easy and clear to see why it is you feel that way in those situations although i do like lemonade so lemons i don't get traumatized when i see a lemon that's good (laughs) But, you know, That's good. Uh, we, we really don't know precisely how triggers are formed. There's, there is debate over that. You know, the researchers believe that the brain stores memories differently from a traumatic event than of a, non, mm-hmm. a non-traumatic event. But past traumatic events, you know, uh, we have to assume they're interpreted by the brain as being, you know, quite different. And, and that's why when, when something triggers them, the, the experience is current, it's in the moment, but it is, it is really the past kind of contaminating the present. So I know you're always referring to mindfulness and things like that, so, but our minds can be overrun by a, a past trigger, which it can be very powerful. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that the sensation of strong negative emotions is so uncomfortable that we get stuck in it. Like once you're triggered, you get caught up in that emotion and it's hard to unravel the trigger once you're in the emotion. So I think having awareness ahead of time around staying alert and curious about the things that might trigger you, uh, it, it allows for a little bit of space and opportunity for the next time something comes up, even if just for a split second, you ask yourself, you know, what, why, where is this reaction coming from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that uh, you're, you're correct. I think that we can, you know, try to have some forethought in order to try to just get more in touch with those things that contribute to being triggered. But also in retrospect, I, I think also we can kind of go back and revisit and, and, and take a look at the signs that were there that kind of, you know, the bodily reactions, you know, the, the changes that we felt, the things that led up to uh, the experience of that emotional experience. So, so these are, you know, these are ways to try to diffuse. I look at, I look at triggers as an emotional imprint. And I think when the earlier in our lives, when these imprints are laid down, 
the more resistant they are to change. But but I am one to think that they they certainly can be mitigated or neutralized, maybe not extinguished, depending on how far back they go. I mean, I think my lemon experience is a testimony to the fact that, you know, here I am at, at 21 years old, and that that imprint is is still active in my mind. Actually, I'm not 21, but you're supposed to use a couple of years. Yeah, you're supposed to say that I didn't know you were that young. Yeah, that is shocking information. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're not necessarily conscious of being triggered. It's 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 less than conscious, but that doesn't mean we can't become more conscious. Do you, do you know what I mean by, by by trying to ferret out, you know, the the essence and the historical connections to to why we can we can begin to develop more of an active mindset rather than a passive mindset. So rather than being victimized by triggers, I think we can we can start to uh, neutralize them by uh, just becoming more active in our in our uh, experience of them. Yes, and I think that sometimes understanding where the trigger came from, what the root cause of it was or is, uh, can be really helpful in in allowing us to be prepared for things that might trigger us. But but let me ask you so. You know, when, when you think about such things as, you know, instances where you felt self-conscious or maybe on the playground where you were discounted or not picked for a, a team or a game where you were feeling maybe controlled or people took advantage of you at certain points in your life or feeling vulnerable or, you know, just relationship problems, boundary concerns, all those kind of things. I mean, I guess, I guess, can you relate to those being triggers for you on some level? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I think that to a greater or lesser degree, probably all of those serve as triggers for me. And most likely, most people have those, even if they're subtle, Mm -hmm. they might feel those as triggers as well. Well, That's a good point, right? I mean, it's like we all have triggers. And I guess it's a matter of degree. But but there are subtle triggers, things that kind of just subtly get us triggered that don't really cause major eruptions. But you're right. These these are a, a kind of a, a whole laundry list of things that can trigger quick emotional reactions because, well, well what would you say uh, what happens when there's a trigger? It's, it's kind of a, a non-thinking kind of response, right? Yeah. And when it comes to triggers, it's like the stimulus happens. And then whatever the thought is, it's almost like it's hijacked. It goes right from the stimulus to the action or reaction. It's like we don't really have any time before the feeling is generated. Mm-hmm. And um, it's almost like we need to find ways to create space between our stimulus and our response. And I think it's, it's incredibly difficult to do that when there's an emotional trigger. Yes, you're absolutely right that... You know, we we go from stimulus to response, but you know, where's the thinking? You know, and we have to is that is that kind of what you were getting at before that you have to kind of bring into that stimulus response uh, some cognition of what's going on? Yeah, and I think that that's really hard to do because of the nature of a trigger. So, you know, in my own life, I've I've learned that becoming curious about what triggers you is helpful because even if in that moment you can't necessarily unpack it all when you're triggered you can reflect on it and you can start to understand what is it that triggers me and so like with your lemon story when you're 
you know, falsely accused of something in your life, like you, you already know that as that's coming up, you can have awareness around the fact that this is likely going to be a triggering experience for you because you've done the work to unpack that. Um, in that moment, you can try and create a little bit of space by being incredibly mindful, taking a deep breath, feeling the response, because it probably will be a strong emotion, but not necessarily acting it out. Mm -hmm. So you give yourself time to respond instead of react. You know, Lauren, not uh, just just before we get too far afield, not all triggers are negative. Uh, they can sometimes uh, stimulate joy or happy memories. For example, we, we smell a flower, say from a, a wedding that we attended many years ago. Uh, so, you know, we're talking about more of the negatives today, of course, because that's what people do struggle with. But But triggers can be any kind of associative kind of experience that just immediately brings to to us like a knee-jerk response to the stimulus. It it sort of makes sense to me when you think about it chemically in the brain. If you had an experience that brought up some sort of strong emotion in the past, it's like your brain is wired to protect you. So if there was a negative experience, especially that stimulus, if it were to happen again, is stored in the brain as a intense reaction there. Yeah, I, and I guess I guess you know there is there is uh, confusion as to what precisely uh, happens when when we get triggered. But you know, some researchers believe that the the brain just stores memories from traumatic events differently. You know, from memories of non-traumatic events. So for me, I would say you know my you know was was a a kind of trauma. I mean, for me, it felt traumatic. It wasn't cataclysmic. It wasn't anything really, you know, uh, out of the ordinary. But nevertheless, it was a rather subtle form of trauma for me as that child. And, and I think it's important to realize that what we're trying to do is we're trying to take that pure stimulus response trigger reaction, and we're trying to now inject some consciousness. I always, I always say that, you know, we are more susceptible to habits of the past uh, habits that contaminate our present when we have a, what I call passive mind. So I think what perhaps we need to discuss is with with triggers, how do we develop more of an active mind? How do we how do we start to develop coping strategies? Because because I feel your ultimate goal should be to detach yourself from the trigger, recenter, and then focus on the coping strategies. So so how can we accomplish something like that? What are some of the things we can do? when we are aware after the fact that we've just been triggered. I don't know that any of these coping skills are easy to employ in those moments, but I think that it's really important to learn how to start being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Because no matter what it is that triggered us, the response, if it's uncomfortable, is going to be like just being okay with that happening inside of your body and bringing your attention to the sensations and just trying to stay very present with yourself, knowing that this will pass is something that is advisable, I would say. Mm, becoming very uncomfortable. Yeah, me too. Uh, becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. I don't like that. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to become comfortable with the uncomfortable. <laughs> I was thinking of coping strategies more, you know, kind of like you know, doing some deep breathing, right, which you're a proponent of, getting some exercise, mm -hmm. uh, keeping a journal, mindfulness meditation, all those things that, that you are so 
prone to talk about. I mean, those are those are things that can help us to lessen the impact of triggers. But I, I think it does take some some retrospective work. I think that you you need to become more actively conscious of those things that are triggers. I think that that begins to sensitize you so that when those early feelings begin to erupt, and those feelings are the things that you know just trigger all those emotions. But when we start to realize the nuances of the things that build up to that trigger, for example, if I'm aware that the tick-tock, tick-tock is, is something that can bring up some old gut-wrenching feelings, uh, I can st- I can start to to really neutralize that cognitively and just say you know is that me responding or is that the contamination of my past? By doing that, I begin to desensitize more and more, and I think that I think that we can actually neutralize because we're not reinforcing the trigger. I guess that's what I'm saying. If if you do nothing and you let a trigger just overwhelm you with emotion and you just ride it out, if you do nothing. In a sense, you know, you're reinforcing that trigger. You're not doing anything to step apart from it, to to kind of lessen it. So I think we do need to fight back. I know some people say just ignore it and 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 you know and not really fight it. I'm not a proponent of that. How about you? Yeah, I was I was just thinking like it's probably fairly natural for people to blame the the thing, the stimulus, and to try to like run away from it, to try to avoid anything that's triggering, because the brain thinks that the threat is outside of you. Like it actually believes that this trigger is a threat to you. So there's this tendency to like blame and avoid it, but really, you know, avoiding the problem or trying to drown it out is not the way through it. That's just a way to sort of push it down the road, but working on understanding where it comes from and why it is so potent to you. And then, like you said, using those coping strategies is the way to actually work through it so that it doesn't keep surfacing. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not pleasant to think that we are manipulated by less than conscious uh, events, you know, that our past, you know, it's, it's always, a, to me, a good definition of neurosis, uh, the past uh, contaminating the present. Uh, so being present, you know, even in the throes of a trigger, I think it helps to, you know, to try to become more present. Now, I guess if I'm starting to feel a rush of emotionality, to me, on some level, that's pulling me away from the present and getting into this internal experience. Do you kind of see where where maybe a more mindful insistence might bring us to a place where we can sort of sidestep some of that that, uh, kind of triggering uh, emotion? Yeah, because I think just by definition, mindfulness means being in the moment. So a trigger is something that's linked to the past. So if you fully are rooted in the moment, the trigger actually has no power. Yeah, yeah, but I guess I get yeah, and I agree with that. But I'm saying I guess when when if you do nothing, then the emotions sweep through you. But if you're able to actively grab yourself and say, wait a second, what I'm feeling, this terrible, terrible feeling of emotion. Is it me or is it my trigger? Just just even saying that, if you can get mm. to a point where you say that, isn't that the point where you might feel you have a choice? Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, also like letting the emotion sweep through you is not that's not a bad thing. Um, it actually allows the, you know, it allows the emotion to flow um, as long as you're not acting out from the emotion. If you allow the emotion to arise and you're 
uh, you have heightened awareness around the fact that you know this might actually be coming up because of a trigger like you said i think that that actually will over time help the trigger to lessen in intensity because you are no longer threatened by the trigger like you're able to to be with it and to see it for what it is and to let it sort of run through and out of you mm -hmm. and it doesn't affect your behavior necessarily okay well let, let's let's go back to my my lemon story where where the trigger was being falsely accused. And, and let's say that uh, I'm, I'm visiting you at your house and, and you have, you're having a party and someone comes up to me and says that, oh, you're the guy that does those podcasts. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. And not that that would happen, right? No, I don't think so. And, Not at my party. And, and, that, and all of a sudden, now, the trigger of being falsely accused, because you know I feel these are very valuable podcasts. So now I'm being triggered by being falsely accused, which is the reminiscent lemon experience where my mother told me I stole the lemon. So let's talk about how what I might do in that if, if I'm this now emotionally sophisticated person, how am I about to mitigate that response what would you do if if you were me in that situation well i think you can find a, a pause like instead of responding to that person or needing to defend yourself i think you could uh mm. connect to your breath and feel your body in the moment and then once you are present you can ask yourself you know is this is this a trigger or you know, is this a situation where I really do need to defend myself? And, and how do I want to do that? What is it that, how do I want to approach this so that you're actually taking control over your action instead of allowing the trigger to determine your reaction? Yeah, uh, uh, taking a pause, that's golden. That, that's, that's essential. I like that a lot. Yeah, we have to find a way to take pause because you know, if, if we are swept by the current of, of that triggered emotion, of course, then we are swept in the stream. We are just being pulled away from, from the, the present life that we're living and we're into this emotional chaos. But if we can pause, just hit that pause button for a second, we interrupt the flow. And that's the point where we might be able to grab the notion that we have a choice, right? That's mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, definitely oh gosh speaking of triggers Lauren I was just listening to the clock do you know what time it is <laughs> oh yes it must be self-coaching pep talk it is it is self-coaching pep talk time <laughs> and today's pep talk is challenging your triggers so remember that triggers are past reflexive knee-jerk patterns which means they're not always conscious, nor are they entirely unconscious. So next time you're triggered with feelings like sadness, anger, or fear, take a few slow, deep breaths, reminding yourself that you're being manipulated and contaminated by one of your historical triggers. This simple recognition can offer some much needed perspective in a moment of meltdown. And next time you feel triggered, pause. As Lauren says, hit that pause button and ask yourself one simple question. Is what I'm feeling right now me? Or is this my past manipulating me? 
You may not eliminate the surge of emotionality, but you're laying the groundwork for future liberation from knee-jerk reacting. Yeah. That's all I got. That's all I got this week. I like that. Yeah. It's very good. I would I would not call you a knee-jerk reactor, right? Not in my adult life. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've yeah. I've, I've evolved. You mentioned stimulus response before. Um, you know, I, I guess behaviorism is beginning to become more of a a focus for me as I go deeper and deeper into psychology and my own self-coaching work. The stimulus response, you know, a lot of things in life, what we what we feed or what we starve. You know, it's if we if we feed emotional triggers, if we feed the helplessness of just being carried away by emotions from a past event, we're actually feeding that habit. And what's a habit? Well, think of it as a habit loop in your brain. It is something that has been laid down or imprinted. And if we do nothing, if we allow ourselves to just flow with the old wave, then nothing changes and the habit gets stronger. We re- actually reinforce it. So we've got to find ways. And that's why I come back to what you said about pausing, just stopping the flow, finding a way to stop reinforcing that which, which we are being victimized by. We're, we're like puppets on a string. And, and sometimes it's our past that's pulling those strings. So, you know, I think, and I think you'll agree with me that mindfulness, being present, it really is that what is necessary to start extricating ourselves from past entanglements. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. You are a big proponent of mindfulness. How would you say mindfulness and being triggered? They're They're kind of opposites, aren't they? I guess in some ways, yes, because you're mindful doesn't mean that you won't be triggered but it does mean that you will be aware of the trigger when it's happening. Mm. And if you are aware of the trigger and you're able to stay rooted in the present moment, then the trigger doesn't have much power Mm. over you. Are you rooted right now in the present moment? I am rooted. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I would never guess it. Does anything make you want to shout? Yeah. Plenty of things make me want to shout. Yeah. Like what? like um not having your mineral water coconut water stuff stocked up when you uh, no 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 not having Mm. not having not having an answer to your question (laughs) oh man i'm gonna win this week Uh, yeah you're you're, you know you did get you, you know you did get a lot of votes were you doing like some you know just some phone calls this week and no i didn't even know this competition was happening i would have done some outreach <laughs> outreach <laughs> now are you going to be distraught when the results come in this week and you're in second no because there's only two people in the contest and one has already won <laughs> so i'm prepared and you know i'm going to rub it in right uh-huh not that i, I not that i need to prevail but i do need to prevail I think you do. That's coming up a lot lately. Yeah. Well, that's one of my triggers. Insecurity. There you go. There you go. <laughs> what do you think? Um, I think we covered most of what we wanted to say. Yeah. And and we didn't cover what we didn't want to say, right? <laughs> that's right. That's the most important part. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I I agree with you uh, in so many things in so many ways. But I, I think that it's it's really important that we always you know, take 
take more charge of our lives and not be victimized by it. And that's, that's why I like today's conversation because truly triggers do victimize us because they are so knee-jerk, they are so less than conscious. And, and even with that, you know, I, I insist that, you know, we, we just don't have to concede to being victimized. You know, so there's an awful lot we can do to, to extricate ourselves from just reflexive past patterns that, that you know, have been imprinted on our brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think we can also protect ourselves a bit because all of us have probably been in a situation where we've reacted to somebody that we care about in a way that wasn't kind or empathetic just because of we were feeling triggered. Yeah, I think, you know, triggers can make us act ways that we wouldn't normally act. (laughs) If we can get control over, you know, what's really happening and be able to stay mindful and present, then we can protect ourselves and also other people from our reactions. Will you protect me from your reactions? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got to talk about self learning oh my gosh <laughs> self studios learning <laughs> why i got to would you pin that on we don't have to we don't have to talk about it every week i think but it is our sponsor i mean we should at least mention it i mean i guess so so self studios learning.com so since lauren says we don't have to talk about it every week please <laughs> Visit the website, selfstudioslearningoneword.com. Please visit that website and, and do something important for your family, for your kids, uh, because the new session will be starting up when, Lauren? In September. In September. And you know how fast September comes around. It comes right after the month of August. So That's right. <laughs> so, so anyhow, so visit our websites. And you heard about selfstudioslearning.com and also you know, while you're there, you know, flip over to selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophies. And while you're there, please check out my number one lady. Am I pleading or? (laughs) Yeah, you really are. Please check out my (laughs) latest number one best-selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless, and you are not powerless. So remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join second place Lauren and first place me every week, and let's make it simple together. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart.